What's going on, everybody? You're listening to This Week in Sports. As always, I'm your host, The Pody. It is Saturday, December 19th, 2020. Almost Christmas, guys. Um, I want to welcome you all in. Hope you're doing well on this Saturday. The reason I'm getting this episode out on Saturday is because I had a lot going on. We have a lot of action-packed sports going on. This is probably one of the busiest times of the year between college basketball starting up, college football. You've got um, NBA is starting up again, and NFL, of course. And we're going to focus the beginning of this segment of the show. The first part is going to be, of course, on the NFL. And we will get to Thursday night's game because, excuse me, wow, was it unbelievable. But I just have to say real quick, I would have got the episode out quicker, but you had Rutgers playing Nebraska tonight um, at 7.30. You had the MAC championship at 7.30 between Buffalo and Ball State, and that was a game I decided last minute to bet on, and I bet the under in the Buffalo-Ball State game, and I found myself glued to the television watching that game more so than the Rutgers game even, and the reason being is there were 56 total points scored in the first half. The under over under was 70 points. I took the under, so I needed under 70 points, 69 max. Well, oh, it's 56 at halftime. I'm like, I'm screwed. This is over. Third quarter, there's not much scoring. They hit 66 points at the end of the third quarter, and I'm thinking, okay, well, it's probably over. It was a 10-point game at that point. A couple of crazy things happened in the fourth quarter. It ends up, ball uh, Ball State's up by 10. Buffalo goes for a fourth and two, fails to convert inside the, the like 20-yard line. I don't know why they didn't kick a field goal. At this point, it's at 66. Ball State's up 10. I can't have them score a touchdown, only a field goal. Well, Ball State ends up uh, running some clock. They punt. Buffalo fails again on a fourth and two. They tried to run it up the middle. Boom, Ball State gets the ball back. They end up doing nothing. They punt yet again. Buffalo gets the ball back. They're unable to score. There was a scare at the end. They threw the ball up to the end zone, but it was no bueno. And I somehow miraculously hit the under on that game. And for those of you that bet the over, that's just one of those bad beats where it looked like, I mean, they were on pace for over 100 points. So I really feel for you guys there. But I had a hundo on that, won myself a nice 90 bucks uh, for the night. So I was excited about that. And then unfortunately, I was disappointed because I did. I was all over Oregon, wanted to bet Oregon to beat uh, USC, and I didn't pull the trigger, and Oregon got the uh, win there in the Rose Bowl, their 4-0 uh, all-time in the Pac-12 championship game. So to get back on track, um, let's just, without further ado, let's dive in to our Week 14 recap. I'm excited to go over Week 14 because if you guys remember my picks from last week, bing, bang, boom. I went three and oh, first time I've done that yet. Each week I seem to have gotten stronger. First week I got one pick right. Second week I got two picks right. And then finally I got three picks right. I'm currently in the lead, but more on that a little bit later down the line. Uh, we'll start recapping with the one o'clock games. And it was a pretty much primetime matchup. I think Jim Nance and Tony Roman were on this game. It was the Chiefs at the Dolphins. 
The spread in this one was seven. I was a little leery about that just because it seemed too good to be true. So smartly, I'm very smart. I I lowered the spread and I parlayed the Chiefs at minus three and a half with the Titans, I think at like minus seven and a half or something like that, or six and a half. And I was able to hit that bet. So let me explain what happened. Um, at the very first quarter of this game, the first few minutes even, uh, Patrick Mahomes looked really bad. The Chiefs looked out of sync, making that trek sort of across country, if you will. Um, Mahomes coming into this game only thrown two interceptions all season, but Miami picked him off three times. And I think at like two of them were in the first quarter or that first half. Um, he took also in the first quarter a 30-yard sack. I, I mean, that's some Madden-type stuff right there. But Mahomes, um, actually, I'm going to play the audio clip from that 30-yard sack because it's honestly, it's not something that you see every day. And you could hear, I think it's Jim Nance on the call, like how flabbergasted he is that a 30-yard sack just, just occurred. I tell you what, both these coaching staff, everyone knows about Andy Reid. Brian Flores is really ramping up. Third and 12, they got Mahomes. My goodness. Yeah, so as you can hear, like he's just, like can't believe that that has just occurred. Um, but if we've learned anything from the Chiefs, it's why they're Super Bowl champs, reigning Super Bowl champs. They could play their worst, and it's still better than a lot of teams' best. Um, Mahomes bounces back from the three interceptions, goes 24 of 34, 390 yard, 393 yards, two touchdowns, and of course those three interceptions. Uh, Miami, Miami's quarterback, the rookie to attack of Iloa, he, he didn't have um, a bad game himself. He threw the ball f a whopping 48 times. That's not a good recipe for success. If you're Brian Flores, I'm sure that's not what he wanted, but against the Chiefs, unfortunately, that's what you have to do. He completed half of those passes for 316 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Um, and like I said, the spread on this game was between seven and seven and a half, depending on when you got it. The Dolphins scored twice in the final few minutes to cut a two-score lead to just six points. So unfortunately, if you bet the Chiefs minus seven, you lost even if you had them at six and a half you still lost um dolphins went for an onside kick they were unable to recover and the chiefs just ran out the clock with a couple of knees their fifth straight afc west title they have just been dominant under andy Reid, and of course since patrick mahomes got there they're unstoppable um next up let's go over the buccaneers they coming off two straight losses. They had the bye, couldn't have come at a better time. I took the Bucks here with my two point pick at minus six and a half. And it, it wasn't, um, it was a better Bucks team than we'd seen previously. The notion of Tom Brady, he's past his prime, he's too old. He's been horrifically bad, horrifically bad on the, the balls, you know, 15, 20 yards down the field. Just can't hit those. He did hit a couple big ones, hit Scotty Miller for like a 45-yard touchdown. He looked a little bit better. The Bucks looked a little bit better. And let's face it, it was a 26-14 win, but it wasn't um, 
it wasn't really, I wouldn't say it wasn't that close, but they didn't, they played a good team. They ran into a Minnesota Vikings team that's won, what, like five out of six. And um, although they haven't been great either, they, they've been finding ways to win the Vikings. And so this is um, that bounce back win that I was looking for um, in the from the Bucs. Um, that's my Super Bowl pick right there. Um, I have a lot riding on it, so I'm glad that they were able to bounce back. Ronald Jones got in the end zone. Um, Mike Evans looked good. They got Antonio Brown involved, and Gronk caught a touchdown in this game. But I will say the big key factor in this game, the only reason that the Bucs were able to cover this spread is the fact that Dan Bailey left 10 points on the board. He missed three field goal attempts and a PAT, one of the most reliable kickers in the NFL, and he just had one of those days to absolutely forget. Um, it's just crazy. So yeah, the Bucks go on to win 26-14. to 14. Next game up, let's go over the Titans and Jaguars game. That was one of my picks as well, I think my one-point pick. Um, I just have to start off with this game by saying congratulations to anyone that had Derrick Henry in their fantasy leagues this year. He was picked one spot in front of me, um, and he was the guy that I wanted, and I'm sure he's led you to the playoffs, and he probably led you to a first-round win after his performance against the Jaguars. Okay, he, we all know what happened last week against Cleveland. Uh, okay, he got bottled up pretty good, but he absolutely balled out against the Jaguars, racking up 215 yards and two touchdowns on 26 carries. A.J. Brown also made a ridiculous one-handed touchdown grab on a flea flicker in the back corner of the end zone. The Titans getting back on track against the Jaguars with an easy 31-10 victory. The Broncos, they held off the Panthers for a solid road win. I have to give props to Nick, who is a big Broncos fan. Um, he was feeling the Broncos' money line, and quite frankly, so was I. It made a lot of sense here. Broncos, why were they, what, four-and-a-half-point underdogs on the road against a team with the same record as them and the Panthers, who really haven't shown me much anyway? So I threw some money on the Broncos' money line. I'm a little mad I didn't put more on it, but I've been very conservative with my bets the last couple weeks just because of what's been happening and how much I've been uh, losing. But... Uh, the Broncos, they got it done. They managed to win this game. Uh, I think 32-27 was the final. Drew Locke was magnificent in this one. Uh, it threw just six incompletions of his 27 passes, 280 yards, four touchdowns. Two of those went to uh, Hamler, who was just awesome. Uh, and they were just very, very efficient and they get the win. That was a good money line bet for an underdog at almost plus 200. Oh, and there was also a punt return in this game. Rookie Deontay Spencer scored his first career touchdown on what was an 83-yard punt return, which broke a 7-7 tie. I want to say right at the start of the second quarter, somewhere around there. Shout out to all my Bears fans. Duh, Bears led by Mitchell Trubisky, who actually looked pretty good in this game. He was 24 of 33 for 267 yards as the Bears laid into the Texans, finally ending their, what, five or six-game losing streak now. I've lost count. Um, 
they got this one started with a big 80-yard touchdown run from David uh, Montgomery. Take a listen to that. Rip Montgomery on first and ten is running back in a hole, and then he's off with a nice step on, and it's a foot race down the sideline. Jackson in pursuit. Red in pursuit. He's gone to the house. 80-yard touchdown run. Yeah, wow, indeed. Not every day you see an 80-yard touchdown run. I didn't really know Montgomery had that kind of speed, to be honest, but he got a good block by Allen Robinson, or he did just enough, and he was able to take it to the house. And then they leaned on Trubisky pretty much the rest of the way. He threw three first-half touchdowns. Pretty impressive there. And uh, it's got to feel good for Matt Nagy. That hot seat gets a little cooler, although he's probably gone at the end of this season. Um, it's just been... An absolute disaster uh, for Matt Nagy and the Bears. They start off 5-1. and one. Um, They were, what, 3-0 with Mitchell Trubisky when he decided to bench him, which at the time, you couldn't really fault it, but for a team that was undefeated, it's like, you know, how do you justify benching your starting quarterback? Um, you know, I'm not in Chicago, so I don't listen to Chicago sports radio every day. I'm sure they were bashing Mitchell Trubisky, and there was a lot coming down on Nagy to replace him with Nick Foles, but they looked good at 5-1. and one. They were getting it done, and then it just all came crumbling down once we realized that Nick Foles is, you know, Nick Foles. He's a backup. He's going to be okay. He won a Super Bowl, um, but other than that, it, it, you know, he's a guy that's past his prime as well and can't give you too much. And how about my Cowboys fans? They remain in the NFC least hunt. They got I, I me and me and Nick actually laughed over the fact that Priyank took this game and actually bet on the Cowboys and Bengals as his three-point pick, but he looks like a genius for doing it because he took the Cowboys. They absolutely dominated. I actually didn't think this the think this through. This was Andy Dalton's uh, you know, getting some revenge on his old team, the Bengals, that let him go. Um, his return to Cincy, they get a 30-7 win. He was, uh, you know, okay, 16 of 23, 185 yards, pair of touchdowns. Cowboys improved to 4-9. It was the Cowboy defense that came up big. That's why those numbers are so low. Um, and it's good news for the Cowboys and the rest of the NFC East, um, or least, as I like to say, because the New York Giants got absolutely stomped on at home by the Arizona Cardinals. Um, I can't say that this was totally foreseen, um, but after you get a huge win like they did last week on the road in Seattle, you kind of sometimes see these letdown games. Uh, this was actually Daniel Jones making his return, and I know a lot of people bet on the Giants here getting uh, you know plus money, but it was a mistake. Um, Daniel Jones, I, I, they brought him back too early. He's hurt again. I don't know if he's going to play this week. I haven't really heard anything from Adam Schefter yet, but probably we'll hear more on that tonight. Um, but of course, Daniel Jones, I believe, uh, he, he lost one fumble at least the, but, uh, overall the Giants fumbled like three or four times. And, of course, something had to give in this one. The Giants were red hot, winning four straight, and the Cardinals were on the opposite side of the spectrum, having lost three straight. And so the Cards were just a better team uh, on this given Sunday. They put up points in all four corner quarters. That's pretty efficient. And they get the win pretty handily, 26-7. to 
Um, Hassan Reddick on the Arizona Cardinal defensive side of the football had himself a record-setting day. The New Jersey native, you knew he was smelling blood coming back to play in his home state. He rolled up a franchise record five sacks against Daniel Jones while also forcing three fumbles. That's just a recipe for disaster if you're the Giants. Um, Daniel Jones, it was his third consecutive game without a touchdown pass. They've been winning games, so you get a pass for that, and it's not really a concern, but it is a concern now. At, at some point, um, you're not going to win this division when you can't throw a touchdown pass over three consecutive games. I thought the Jets were bad, but that is not good if you're a New York Giants fan, so hopefully they can straighten things out this week. Speaking of the team that they beat last week, the Seattle Seahawks, they bounced back from a brutal loss to the Giants as they beat my Jets 42-3. It was the easiest three-point pick of my life. Um, the spread was 13.5 when I picked it on Friday. It swelled to like 16.5 by game time. I told my brother this was an easy bet to pound this game, and I think I don't think he put much on it at all. But I, you know, as a Jets fan, at this point, we might as well just lose out. So it is what it is. I still watch. I still root for them. I still pull my hair out when I see certain things and I root for them to do well. But, you know, this was just a sit back, relax, easy, 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 40 to three. Um, there's really not much else to say. Russell Wilson, he becomes the first quarterback in NFL history to start his career with nine straight winning seasons. It's ridiculous. He also became the all-time winningest quarterback at home in a player's first nine seasons with 54 wins, passing Brett Favre and Joe Flacco. And sadly, uh, Jamal Adams, who has just spurned the Jets. Jets fans hate him now. Uh, that's just what it is. He added his names to the record books. Of course, it would be against his old team and, and you know my team. He received credit for a sack on a play early on, maybe second quarter, in which Sam Darnold ran out of bounds, thus giving him eight and a half sacks on the year the most ever by a defensive back in a single season. He would have gotten it last year with my Jets, but he did get hurt and missed a couple games. The Colts, they notched their fourth win in five games with a 44-27 win over the Raiders. Phillip Rivers, he threw for 288 yards and a pair of touchdowns, both to T.Y. Hilton. Good to see T.Y. back and healthy. Um, but it was all-rookie Jonathan Taylor, another New Jersey native, he accounted for 70, almost 71% of the team's rushing total. He had 150 yards and both the Colts rushing touchdowns. So he had 150 yards, two touchdowns. If you started him in fantasy, congratulations. Uh, the Colts defense has been one of the best in the league. They forced Derek Carr to throw two interceptions, including a pick six in that one. The Raiders had surrendered an average of 37.5 points per game over the last four games. That was before the Thursday night game in which uh, they gave up, I think, just as many as that. But they, no surprise, fired defensive coordinator Paul Gunther. Um, next up, the Aaron Rodgers-led Green Bay Packers. They had themselves a nice day. Unfortunately, they didn't cover the, I think, eight and a half point spread that I picked it at. Or maybe I got it at eight. I don't know. But uh, I hit most of my bets. I won uh, less than a hundred bucks. Unfortunately, I could have hit for like almost two hundred if the Packers covered this game. But again, I've been very—I was very conservative with my bets. Um, 
Devontae Adams, he's now scored in eight straight games. I mean, I would just pound that Devontae Adams to score a touched anytime touchdown. Uh, it's probably in the 120 to 150 range, minus 120, minus 150 in that range. I would just pound that until he proves that he's not going to score a touchdown. So that's some free betting advice right there. Uh, Rodgers threw for 290 and three touchdowns, and the Packers held on to beat the Lions 31-24. to So you have to be careful. As bad as the Lions have been all year, these divisional games are sometimes very, very tough to bet on, especially this late in the season when you're playing a team possibly for the second time, and that's what happened. The Lions, they were able to come back. They got a field goal late which unfortunately, if you had the Packers to cover, that field goal went from a double-digit lead to a single-digit lead. Therefore, they didn't cover what they needed. They only lost the game by seven. And I, like I said, the spread was like eight and a half. Um, so yeah, you have to be careful with those divisional games sometimes. And then, in my opinion, the biggest trap game of them all was this Saints and Eagles game. I could tell because last week you really started to see um, Taysom Hill get exposed, if you will. Um, and I've been nervous the last couple of weeks watching the Saints. And so with the, a team like the Eagles finally deciding to start Jalen Hurts, I figured every once in a while this happens. It goes one of two ways. That rookie quarterback comes in, surprises everybody, the defense isn't ready for it, and they win the game, or they just, you know, get laid out like a lamb to slaughter and, and get destroyed. And I was I was not willing to go this route. The spread was high. It was seven and a half. Nick took this as one of his three picks, and he lost because guess what? Jalen Hurts balled out in his debut, and the Eagles beat the Saints and it looks like we're going to get Jalen Hurts the rest of the season because you know you step up as a rookie and you win your first game uh and all of a sudden there's talk in town that you're going to be the future of this team and Carson Wentz has his foot out the door as bad as he's been um the Eagles were up I think 17 nothing and that's why I said this gimmicky Taysom Hill offense uh just sometimes this this will happen with Sean Payton he gets, you know, in over his head sometimes and overthinks things. Um, but the surprise of the day, for sure, the Eagles snapping the Saints' nine-game win streak. They were up 17-0. They held on for a 24-21 uh, win the, with the loss by the Saints. The Packers, this is important, the Packers have now moved into the number one spot in the NFC. That's important because only the number one seed gets a bye in the playoffs this year with the added team. Next up, the Chargers, they won a meaningless game between, I think, what, two, four, nine teams, Chargers and Falcons. Um, I couldn't tell who wanted to win this game down the stretch in the fourth quarter. Here's how the final three possessions ended. Um, interception, interception, interception. Final three possessions of, of the fourth quarter all ended in an interception, none bigger than Matt Ryan's horrific interception. He was not happy, slammed his helmet. He knows it was a mistake he can't make. Um, and the Chargers record, we know, in one possession games is two and seven. So you had to figure they would blow it. But lucky for them, Matt Ryan did come up and throw that costly interception. Herbert was able to then lead his team 45 yards in five plays. And Michael Badgley did 
did the rest for the game winner. Justin Herbert to Tyron Johnson, 26 yards that set it up, and Badgley's able to deliver for the Chargers. Uh, Matt Ryan, he would like to have this one back, not his best performance. He threw three interceptions. It's also the third straight season since making that Super Bowl that they have not made the playoffs. They're eliminated from the postseason, and it's no coincidence that Kyle Shanahan was their offensive coordinator since he left to the 49ers. They have not been good. Not good at all. How about the red-hot Washington Redskins? They have now taken control of the NFC least. They had to play three quarterbacks on Sunday, but still managed to emerge with a 23-15 win over the Niners. The Washington D guys is no joke. They scored two touchdowns and sacked Nick Mullins four times. Um, unfortunately, like I said, they had to play three QBs because Alex Smith hurt his calf and will miss this week's game against the Seahawks. That has been um, official. Dwayne Haskins, I believe, will start. Uh, Seahawks are getting six and a half points on the road. I think that's a pretty good bet. I'm surprised it's not a lot higher. Just something to keep in mind. Then the Sunday night game, and I wouldn't really say it was a surprise because they were favored, but I just couldn't believe that the Steelers have looked this bad for a couple weeks straight. They start the season 11-0, look unstoppable, and now have lost two in a row, including to the Bills on Sunday Night Football. This just proves that the Bills are for real, if not for a Hail Mary by the Arizona Cardinals. This Bills team is 10-2. and um, I think they're, actually, they might be 11-2. and um, but yeah, they've just been great. Stefan Diggs, the addition of Stefan Diggs has been miraculous. What he's done in his first year with the bills has been, you know, unheard of, just remarkable. His fifth hundred yard receiving game, uh, Buffalo's four and one when he does that, he also became the first player to a hundred receptions this season. He's also just the second player in bills history with a hundred receptions in a season joining Eric Moulds in 2002, who actually had 100 exactly. He's going to far super surpass that. Um, as for Josh Allen, he now has thrown for 35 touchdowns, tallying more touchdowns in a season than any Bill in team history. Uh, let's talk about Monday Night Football and the game of the year between the Cleveland Browns and the Baltimore Ravens. Huge, huge playoff implications huge huge divisional game between two AFC North heavyweights and Baker and Lamar they duked it out okay throughout this game it was somewhat back and forth the Ravens had a big lead but then uh the big one the big takeaway from this that people are still talking about Lamar Jackson got hurt in this game left the game I wasn't paying attention and then all of a sudden he's gone and I'm trying to figure out what happened it, they called it cramping many uh, to this day, right now, are still questioning that. they It might have been cramping, but cramping of a different kind, not the LeBron James type of cramping in the NBA Finals. You know, possibly uh, Lamar had to go number two and ran to the locker room. Um, 
you know, that's neither here nor there. But with the Ravens down by one at the two-minute warning, Lamar Jackson trotted onto the field for a fourth and five, and he threw what would be one of the most crucial plays, if not the most crucial play in the game. They probably lose if he doesn't complete that, but he ends up throwing like a 35-yard touchdown uh, catch and run to Hollywood Brown to give them the lead. The Browns would come back and tie it, and this game um, would basically end on a Justin Tucker 55-yard field goal. would have been good from like 70. The guy's ridiculous. Um, and then huh, another bad beat occurred at the end of this game. Just ridiculous. Um, there was seven seconds when Tucker kicked it. So there was like one final play for the Browns and it, it there was like a safety. Um, so if the, the line in this was three th between three and three and a half. Okay, so if you had the Ravens minus three or minus three and a half, because they get that safety and win by five, the final score was 47 to 42, you hit. Now, if you had the Browns plus three and a half, my God, I feel so bad for you. I'm so sorry that that happened. Um, but let's take a deeper dive and look at this game by the numbers. The fourth quarter alone, we saw a combined 35 points. The total game tally for yardage was 878. There were nine combined rushing touchdowns. That's tied for the most in a single game in NFL history. The previous instance occurred in 1922 when you had Rock Island Independence and Evansville Crimson Giants combined for nine touchdowns. And then you had the Racine Legion and Louisville Brex also combined for nine touchdowns. Just unbelievable. This game, though, um, let's see. Uh, this game was absolutely huge for the Ravens. They stay alive in the playoff hunt. If they lost this game, it would have been devastating for them. Um, so they're right back in the thick of things. So that's good for them. Also, really, really quickly, for those keeping score, the 47-42 final result, that was the first time in NFL history a game ended with that specific score, which is just bizarre. It's been 101 years of the NFL, and that's the first time a game ended 47-42. Really hard to believe. Just really hard. And then finally, uh, last but not least, let's talk about the Thursday night game uh, that we just witnessed a couple nights ago between the Chargers and the Raiders. Another stellar performance. Uh, it's funny because you could go from the GOAT one week to having no job the next week. And that was the case for Michael Badgley, I will explain. Although uh, they did end up coming out victorious by some miracle um, and so maybe he does keep his job, but he's, he's tied for the league lead with nine missed field goals already this year, just been a year to forget. But the storyline in this one, um, as many of you might like to think is John Gruden and the whole gaff with his hats. He had, he started the game off, had an Oakland Raiders hat. And then at halftime, someone probably alerted him to the, the mistake. He switched it back over to the Las Vegas Raiders hat. Um, but no, it was Derek Carr, quarterback of the Raiders, getting hurt in the first quarter. It was a significant groin injury, as Gruden later called it. On came former Heisman winner, number two overall pick, Marcus Mariota. And he played the best game of his career, in my opinion. He was absolutely stellar in this game. Um, he, I, I just, I can't praise him enough. Um, 
the Chargers were were winning early, but when Mariota came in, he was able to mount a comeback and tie this game up. And you know, with the Chargers, like I said, they always find a way to blow it two and seven in in all one possession games. Uh, and the the time management and play calling by both these teams late was just disturbing, in my opinion. You have a veteran in John Gruden, Super Bowl winning coach. And then on the flip side, Anthony Lynn, his time management's been horrible. Special teams has been horrible. They can't, you know, can't get out of their own way. And Anthony Lynn will be fired at the end of this season, in my opinion. But Badgley, who won it last week against the Falcons, comes back this week and misses not one field goal, but two field goals in the final, like, two minutes. What when the Chargers had a chance to win the game, he can't put it away. Um, granted, it's not all on him, okay, because after the first missed field goal, the Raiders got the ball back, went down the field, got into field goal range, and then for some reason, like around the 20-yard line, even though Marcus Mariota was playing so well, Gruden decides to throw the ball, and it gets tipped and intercepted. Immediately, the Chargers are in field goal range, and on a third down play, they try to go pass with a rookie quarterback and he gets sacked bringing up I think what was a 49 yard field goal and he pulled it left no good yet again the Raiders get the ball back again horrific time management they march down the field get around the 50 yard line but it's a fourth and two they're probably unsure of whether or not they should you know let the time run out a little more or just go for it they had no timeouts and John Gruden called a QB sneak with no timeouts and under like 20 seconds left. They got it, but then they had nothing left that they could do. They they trotted out, they tried to trot out the field goal unit. They rushed the snap and it was botched and they had to fall on it. So this game would go to overtime. The Raiders marched quickly down the field as they took the ball first. Looked like they were going to win it. And of course, they get into a goal-to-go situation and they call some dumb run plays and then a third and goal like Mariota kept it or something and they got stuffed. So they kick a field goal. Chargers get the ball. First down incompletion, second down incompletion. Third down, what do you know? Herbert launches it deep for a completion. It was slightly underthrown. Otherwise, he would have housed it for the winner, but he gets tackled at the two yard line. First, second, first and second down, they're not able to score. And then Justin Herbert uh, sneaks it in just barely. And the Chargers get the walk-off win. It's a huge blow to the Raiders' playoff chances. Uh, they're done virtually, um, according to 538. They're, they're uh, you know, they had a 21% chance to make the playoffs had they won the game. And now because they lost, they have just a 2% chance to make the playoffs. It's as good as over. I'm, you know, totally disappointed with the play calling and the time management by John Gruden. They could have won that in regulation. That fourth down QB sneak was just dreadful. They could have done a quick out route, got out of bounds, had time for another play, get out of bounds, and then kick a field goal. Um, but just just brutal. All right, we will take a quick little break. And then, actually, no, we don't need to take a break. Let's just jump right into the picks segment real quick. Um, like I said last week, finally, I get three picks correct. Okay, three of them I got correct. I went three for three. I had Titans seven and a half, Bucks six and a half, Seahawks minus 13 and a half. I get six points. Okay, recapping Nick, 
he went Vikings plus six and a half, Saints minus seven and a half, Packers minus nine. He didn't hit on any of them. Two out of three weeks, this man has missed on all of his picks. Just dreadful. And then Priyank, he went with uh, Ravens minus two. He got that one. He had Chiefs minus seven. That was a bad beat. And he had Cowboys minus three and a half. So he got his three-pointer and his one-pointer for four points. I got six points. Nick got zero points. So um, with this week's picks, I will start it off. Um, as Nick likes to say, cue the NFL primetime music. So I will cue that right now. And let's get right into it. I am taking the Bills on the road in Denver, minus five. I'm always leery when teams are playing in Denver because as bad as the Broncos are at home, that altitude, it it plays differently. But Josh Allen from Wyoming, he plays pretty good in the cold. I think five is good enough. They showed me enough. The Bills, in my opinion, are the second best team in the AFC East and one of the top three or four best teams in the NFL. I'm taking the Bills for my one-point pick at minus five. For my two-point pick, um, I am going to go. I I always fall for this trap, but I'm going with the Pittsburgh Steelers minus 13 against the Cincinnati Bengals. Look, the Bengals have two wins. We know what they are. They're starting different quarterbacks every week. Um, They're bad, and it's exactly what the Steelers need, having lost two games in a row. This is the perfect opponent that they need to bounce back and bounce back in a big way and silence the doubters. So I'm taking Steelers minus 13. There's really not much to think behind this. It's just set it and forget it. And then finally, for my third and final three-point pick of the week, I am going Ravens minus 13 against the Jaguars. Look, I personally believe that the Ravens are in fact back They are trying to make a playoff push late. I think they can do it. And they're getting one of the easiest opponents in the league. One of uh, two teams that's vying for the number one pick in the draft. They have one win in the Jaguars. They've lost like 11, 12 straight games. And I just think this is a no-brainer pick. Lamar Jackson is back. He's healthy. He had the cramping. But I just think he had to visit the toilet and go number two. So I am confidently riding the Ravens. They got that run game back. Uh, you know, Gus Edwards has looked really good. Dobbins, you know, they're looking. Lamar Jackson had a couple rushing touchdowns in this Monday night game. Uh, I'm taking the Ravens minus 13. So to recap, Bills minus five for one point, Steelers minus 13 for two points, and Ravens minus 13 for three points. Those are my three three picks. Listen, I'm clearly the king. I'm in the lead with 12 points right now. Uh, I'm starting to run away with this thing. If you want to make money, go with some of these picks. You got three to choose from. You can bet all three confidently. I'm, I trust in all three of them. Highly, I have, I'm highly confident in all three. So boom, those are my three picks. Next up, we'll mix things up and we'll, we'll talk to Priyank and get his three picks. It's Priyank here on my week 15 picks. For my one point pick, I'm picking the Bills, minus five. I know Mile High Stadium, Broncos are playing incredible D, um, Bills are away, I, I, I get all that, but the Bills have looked unstoppable, they they look like they're the second best team in the AFC, I don't see anyone else stopping them, I, except probably against the Chiefs, but other than that, like they, they put a whooping on the Steelers, so I think they can cover five, I think they can buy a touchdown. For my two point pick, I'm picking Kansas City minus three. Uh, 
I know they said Michael Thomas is not playing this game. Drew Brees is back also. He's coming back from 11 broken ribs. You know, like, even the doctors clear them, but ugh, that's a lot of ribs are broken. That's 11 out of 12 ribs. But, uh, and without Michael Thomas. So, uh, Michael Thomas is like a huge part of their offense. Um, I, I just don't see them pulling off the win over Kansas City, especially Kansas City, like I said, second, uh, probably the first best team out there in the AFC. So, I think Kansas City wins by more than a field goal. And my three-point pick is the Browns minus six and a half over the Giants. That game against uh, Baltimore was amazing, amazing. And I saw all I needed to see from the Browns to call them like a playoff team. So I think they take full command here and beat the Giants by a touchdown. So my one-point pick are the Bills minus five. My two-point pick is Kansas City minus three, and. My three-point pick is Browns, minus six and a half. Okay, I actually uh, don't hate those picks. Of course, we both have the Bills at minus five. Um, yes, the Chiefs, that's a decent pick. There is no Michael Thomas in this game, but Drew Brees is back, so I'm just going to steer clear of that game. And then the Browns, yeah, he's right. The Browns, they've, they've proven that they are a playoff team. They are for real. Um, and I, I do probably think that they smoke the New York Giants. Um, with that being said, let's hear Nick's picks and wrap this thing up. What's up, everybody? I'm Nick, and these are my three picks of the week. For my one-point pick, I'll be taking the Chicago Bears plus two and a half at the Minnesota Vikings. The Bears last week spanked the Texans. Mitch Trubisky looked awesome. Don't even know what to react with that. He threw for three TDs, and he actually outperformed Deshaun Watson. I like the way that they're rolling right now. Give me the Bears plus two and a half. For my two-point pick of the week, I'll be taking the Cleveland Browns in a primetime Sunday night matchup at the New York Giants. I'm pretty sure the NFL scheduled this thinking that Odell would be returning back to New York, but he will not be playing in this game, and I'm surprised they kept it in the flex spot, which amazes most of us. But we can't complain, as the Browns actually put up a really good game last week against the Ravens in overtime. One of the best bad beats that I've ever seen that actually leaned in my favor, taking the Ravens minus three and a half and covering at the last play of the game with a two-point safety to win by five. Anyway, let's get into this game. I like the Browns minus six and a half. That's a nice spread, especially if they're going to win by seven or more, which I think they easily are. They're nine and four in the year, which is actually pretty surprising. And uh, anytime the Giants can lose on primetime, sign me up. Browns minus six and a half, two-point play of the week. For my three-point pick this week, I actually was leaning towards either option. I was trying to make a case for either one of my head, and I could. But I'm going to lean a little bit more towards this team, and that's the Arizona Cardinals minus six at the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles upset the Saints last week, and that was a huge win for them. But I just don't trust their secondary as much as I trust the Cardinals defense to come away with a win this week and a cover that six-point spread. Give me Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals minus six in Philly. And that's my three-point pick of the week. All right, there you have it. Those are Nick's three picks. He had the Browns also. This is why he he goes over three a lot of times. He's always trying to take like these 
these sneaky underdog picks. He 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 took um this week another team getting plus points with his one point pick. I know it's just one point, but that one point can add up, especially when you're behind by so many. Um, so and then he's taking Arizona as his three point pick. I, I don't hate the pick to be honest, but you you need to make up ground, man. Like pick some. There's easier bets out there. Uh, so uh, you know it is what it is. He, you know that's why he's in last place. So you know don't take his advice when it comes to picking these games as of late because he's been just dreadful as you can tell by the picks. So uh, those are the picks that are locked in for this week. We'll uh, you know we'll see how it pans out. I plan on betting on a couple of these games. There's you know nine games to choose from that we picked um a couple of them are the same so that cleveland browns game since they both have that and i didn't touch it i'm hoping the giants can cover that so they don't get those points there so yeah it'll be fun a little friendly competition and i look forward to seeing how this thing pans out with that being said we will take a nice quick break and i'll meet you guys on the flip side to cover the rest of the sporting world this week all right, let's make this quick, guys. We're going to run through the uh, rest of the sporting world and go over uh, some big-time news. So there's a lot of college football going on, and we'll start right there. Um, we're in championship week today, yesterday, and I have to say I was flabbergasted at the fact that I took the under in the Buffalo and Ball State game last night and miraculously I was able to cover that under. Well, today, Ohio State played against Northwestern in the Big Ten Championship game. They were like 18 and a half point favorites. I woke up late. I live bet this in the middle of the second quarter when Ohio State was minus six. Luckily, they pulled through. They were able to cover. They won the game by 12 points, although there was some shade at the end of the game. This is why people always question whether games are rigged. Because, because Ohio State was at the two-yard line, Northwestern had three timeouts, and they elected to just let the clock run. Ohio State didn't have to run a play, and the game ended with a 12-point spread. If Ohio State would have punched it in there, they would have covered that 18.5. So just very curious um, right there. And then, of course, last night you had USC and Oregon. I wanted to jump on Oregon, and, of course, uh, Oregon won. USC did not look good at all. Um, you've got Clemson and Notre Dame on right now. That game is three to nothing. Uh, you've got, um, let's see what else, what else, what else, what else? Um, Oklahoma, they bested Iowa state that turned into a good game. That was, uh, not looking like much of a contest early on Oklahoma running away with it, but Ohio state mounted a comeback, but ended up throwing an interception late. And then Texas A&M, they, they rolled through Tennessee 34-13. to 13. Um, You had BYU, they, they beat San Diego State. Um, uh, uh, some of these games were from last week, actually. Let me see here. So anyway, yeah, like the big games are, are on today. You've got, of course, Alabama and Florida. That's on at 8 o'clock. Alabama is 15 and a half point favorites in that game. I'm disappointed. I was too invested in the Ohio State game. I wanted to bet Army Air Force under. It was 0-0 at the end of the first quarter and 3-0 with two minutes left to go in the first half. So anybody that bet the under in that game, kudos to you. 
you uh, came through uh, in very impressively. And, and we'll see, um, you know, what goes, what happens. Ohio State did not play great. We'll see. I don't think they will get jumped by a Texas A&M or somebody like that. But um, yeah, it, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. You've got Cincinnati and Tulsa tonight at 8. Cincinnati, they're 8 and 0. We'll see if they can jump anybody. Um, yeah, it, it should be fun. But like I said, I don't want to spend too much time with this and waste too much of your time because the first segment uh, went longer than expected. All right, let's really quickly talk some NBA. Uh, the big news this week is that Giannis, he agreed to a Supermax extension worth $228.2 million over five years to remain in Milwaukee. Sorry, Knicks fans. Sorry, Heat fans. Um, yeah, Giannis was not leaving. I expected this when they made the crazy trade for Drew Holiday. So Giannis is staying put in Milwaukee for the next five years. And then last night, um, we're down the stretch here. NBA season is kicking off. Next Friday is Christmas. Probably won't be having an episode then. But last night, Kyrie Irving, we all know his antics, not talking to the media while well, he finally spoke with them earlier this week. And then last night, back in TD Garden against his former team in the Celtics, the Nets could not have looked better. Uh, Kyrie, the big the big storyline is uh, he was burning sage in the garden before the game. And then he claimed, uh, you know, it's calming. Uh, he's going to plan on doing it. He plans on doing it everywhere that the uh, opponents let him on the road and pretty much every game at home. And hey, it worked because the Nets steamrolled through Boston. I know it's preseason, but this was the final tune-up game in the preseason, and it is a little bit significant. Kevin Durant had like 25 points in three quarters, a couple block shots. I mean, he looked really good as well. So I'm pumped for the start of the season next next week. Uh, Nets are tipping off on opening night. If you haven't got that DraftKings boost where you can get the Nets uh, game or you can get the Clippers-Lakers game, at plus 75 or no i i want yeah at plus 75 or plus 76 go ahead and jump on that it's a max 25 dollars bet but it's free money so yeah i'm looking forward bigly to the start of the nba season okay real quick um i want to recap college basketball it's really tough to 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 work all of these sports into the mix. But last weekend, I told you guys that I was intrigued by the West Virginia Richmond Spiders game. I wanted to see if Richmond was for real after beating Kentucky, and uh, they were not. Um, West Virginia steamrolled them by 17, final score 87 to 71. Um, Iowa, they continued to burn through people, except they got uh, pretty much destroyed today by Gonzaga. Gonzaga won that game by 11. They tried to mount a comeback, but they uh, couldn't do too much there. My Rutgers Scarlet Knights, they continue to trend upwards, ranked 19th in the country right now, have a huge matchup tomorrow at 1 p.m. against Illinois. That is a big-time matchup, their second uh, conference game. They beat Maryland, though, on Monday by 14 points, did Rutgers. They, they've won every game so far this season by double digits. They are 5-0. If they can beat Illinois... This Rutgers team, I mean, the sky could be the limit. They could they could skyrocket up into the top 15 or so. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Also on Monday, you had Marquette upset Creighton by five points. Um, and then, let's see here, uh, Clemson on Tuesday. Clemson lost to Virginia Tech by six. Illinois smoked Minnesota. I should have bet that game. 
Uh, they were like eight-point favorites. I, I was all over that one. Um, Tennessee smoked App State. Wisconsin got by Loyola Chicago and Florida State beat Georgia Tech. Um, Ohio State, number 20th ranked Ohio State. They lost to Purdue on Wednesday in their, uh, I think, first Big Ten matchup. You had uh, Villanova beating Butler by 19. Texas, uh, Texas is an interesting team. Shaka Smart, they're six and one, ranked eleventh in the country. They beat Sam Houston State by sixteen, and then Duke beat Notre Dame by ten. Then Creighton, uh, they bounced back after the loss to Marquette. They beat St. John's by eighteen, and then Kansas and Texas Tech. That was another really good game. Kansas gets the win, fifty-eight to fifty-seven. Um, they have now Kansas. They have won thirty straight conference openers that is by far the longest streak in the in in history um gonzaga is right behind them uh they're they have a current streak going right now but it's it's nowhere near 30 um it's like maybe it's like 18 maybe somewhere around there if that um it, it just ridiculous ridiculous um let's see san diego state they lost to byu uh yesterday um tennessee Tennessee, man, watch out for Tennessee. They beat Tennessee Tech 103 to 49. They continue to 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 get it done. Uh, West Virginia, they are looking good right now. They beat Iowa State 70 to 65. Um, you have Baylor, number two Baylor, back in action against Kansas State. They're up 38 to 17 right now, midway through the first. Ohio State is playing UCLA at uh, 4:15. Florida State plays UCF at 9, and Villanova plays St. Joe's at 9 as well. And then, like I said, you had Gonzaga-Iowa earlier today where, you know, Gonzaga pretty much dominated this game uh, through and through. They win 99-88. Louisville-Wisconsin, that's number 12 versus number 13. Wisconsin beat Louisville earlier today, 85-48. That is um, a bit concerning as a Rutgers fan because we have not faced Wisconsin yet. They're more of a three and D type team. I'm interested to see that. And then this is the big one. North Carolina just beat Kentucky 75 to 63. Why is this significant? This is significant because it is the first time I believe um, that Kentucky has started a season one and five, I believe is their record. Um, So not looking good for Calipari's team. Uh, they need to right the ship and get back on track. But wow, what uh, an awful start for Kentucky. They drop, like I said, to, um, I believe they are now 1-5, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, 1-5, first time ever. Just absolutely insane. So, like I said, I'm looking forward. It's a big, big time uh, top 25 matchup tomorrow, 1 o'clock. Rutgers and Illinois, if you haven't got a chance to watch Rutgers much, they're, you know, they're a fun team. Uh, this is the first time in my life since last year that they've ever been ranked. Um, so I, I couldn't be more excited. I'm looking for big things. Last year would have been the first time in my lifetime that they made the NCAA tournament, if not for COVID. So hopefully uh, they get in this year. And, you know, we'll see what they can do against Illinois tomorrow. Illinois is a very good team. Rutgers was a, was able to uh, split with them last year without Io DeSunmo, of course. But, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, and it, it should be fun. And then, of course, also on television right now, like I said, this has been a crazy time of year, sports galore. You have Tiger Woods and his son, Charlie, at the PNC Championship. His son is just 11 years old, and they're competing. This is a father and son's tournament. 
Um, Annika Sornstam is also in it with her father, I believe. She might be the only woman uh, exception in there as well. But I was uh, checking that out earlier. Tiger and his son, they were like tied for seventh. They were like eight under. You got John Daly and his son. Matt Kuchar and his son are winning it. Uh, just it, it's a it's a huge group of, of players and their you know sons and fathers at you know uh, Justin Thomas and his dad. Uh, it's it's incredible. Uh, Charlie Woods, this kid might be better than his father. Uh, he the the you know the golf shot that that's heard around the world that everyone is playing on a loop right now is one of the uh, front nine holes where Charlie hit a five wood from about one seventy out. Uh, he put it within like four or five feet of the pin, and they he got an eagle. Uh, it was the only eagle, I think, on the day. Um, just incredible. Um, but if they can make some more putts down the stretch uh, through the weekend, um, you know, they have a chance. But, man, it, that stuff like that, it's pretty fun to watch and just unbelievable. The kid is 11 years old. He's got a better golf swing than I do, and I'm 28 years old. Granted, the kid's been probably playing – since he could walk, um, you know, I didn't pick it up till I was probably a teenager or so. But uh, yeah, I gotta, I gotta up my game, you know, if I want to compete with 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 old Charlie Woods there. Okay, that should pretty much just about wrap this thing up. Well, uh, last thing on this date in sports, I don't really have one um, except for we'll we'll, we'll talk about today, um, in which uh, Ohio State's Trey Sermon. Like I said, I woke up late in the middle of this game. I don't know what happened to Master Teague. Um, but Trey Sermon, the grad transfer from Oklahoma, he ran through Northwestern. Justin Fields hurt his thumb in this game, but he was not good. We know Northwestern has a top six defense, um, but Justin Fields lost the Heisman today as far as I'm concerned. He did not look good at all. Um, and they relied heavily on the run game, led by Trey Sermon, who set a new single-game record, okay, 331 rushing yards, most by a player in any conference championship game in FBS history, and like I said, it was a record, uh, Ohio State single-game rushing record, past Eddie George, who had, I think, 314 in a game. And real quick, back to um, that Kentucky uh, loss, Kentucky's loss to North Carolina, the Wildcats are now 1-5. and five. Yeah, that's their worst start since 1926-27. Just incredible. Um, 2020 is a year to forget, and especially for uh, Calipari and the Wildcats. So, yeah, that's pretty much going to wrap this thing up, guys. Hope you enjoyed this week's episode. I'm excited for my three picks for tomorrow um, in the NFL, and I am eager to see if I can go 3-0 and for the second straight week. So keep an eye out on those games. If you have any uh, need any betting advice or you want some bets, maybe some college football bets, anything, hit me up, Twitter, Instagram, DM me, uh, whatever it is. I'm open to it. Uh, I will suggest you some games the best I can. I've been on a pretty hot streak uh, lately. I don't want to jinx that, but it's been looking good. So with that being said, guys, I just want to say happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Uh, stay safe. Of course, like I said, next week, Friday is the 25th. That is Christmas Day. I probably, and in all likelihood, will just take that day off, relax. I'll be with the family uh, celebrating the holidays and then probably just gaming with my friends later on in the evening. So might skip next week's episode. We'll see. Um, if anything, I will make sure to at least 
do the picks segment and get my picks in because I'm really into doing that now and the competition factor of it and being that I'm in first place right now. I want to continue continue that moving forward and uh, keep that tradition going. So with that being said, guys, hope you enjoyed episode 124 of This Week in Sports. This is the Pody signing out. Happy holidays and Merry Christmas to all.